we go and finish a project. I'm flying in a helicopter out into the Gulf of Mexico. We land on this production platform. I worked in the oil and gas business. So I'm out here. Dude, it's like being on a movie in the way of Jurassic Park. Right. Just flying on this crazy thing, landing on this big structure that's the size of the Empire State Building way out in the Gulf of Mexico. It's kind of a cool adventure. We finish this project up. We go back to Houston. He retires. I'm back in the office in a project. Like a month later, I hear, hey, everyone within your division, we're sorry to inform you that this guy has passed away. He died of an unexpected disease, unknown disease. He was healthy. His life was over. Boom. Just like that. This is the dude who This is retired. the same guy who was telling me. He had just retired. Mm-hmm. We, we finished that project and he retired. He was the one telling me, play it to the end. Like when you get to retirement, now you got your time, you got your money, blah, blah, blah. And that shocked me so deeply because I had agreed, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then I realized if I don't start taking steps towards what I feel more purposed and passionate in, if I'm just staying here because it's safe or it's got money or it's prestige, I'm going to miss the purpose of my life and I'm going to miss passion and fulfillment. I was like, God, if you're real, show me and I'll make a change in life. I'll throw away everything. The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success by focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-mindsetted men and women bonded by faith in relationship that you can do life with. Now, we're traveling across the United States this summer to a city near you, and we want you to join us in creating the next wave of faith-based entrepreneurs ready to become the CEOs of their life. Visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today to speak to one of our team members about how you can level up in all areas of your life today. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. You know me, I'm your host, Riley Meek. And today, if you listened to our episode last week, you know who I'm rapping with. I spoke it into existence and it happened. We have Mr. Nate Burkhalter on the show today. Former engineers, you guys know if you've been following us or even him, turned professional athlete, seven-time competitor, known as No Limits Nate, Ninja Warrior, Welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Riley. <laughs> Always an honor. Always man. excited to be here. I'm so glad we Let's made go. time for this, man. Yeah. So appreciate you being intentional. We'd wake up a little early and get this one in before Nate heads back to you're heading back to Houston today. Houston, right? That's right. Yeah, man. That's yeah. where you live now. That's where I am. I'm glad you said make time, not yeah. had time. Exactly. Everything's about prioritization and making time. So exactly. Being intentional. This. That's right. Being intentional. Speaking of of, of that, I w- I'm curious. Now we're going to get into your story, which I love. I've been rapping with him a little bit here. So I want you guys to know a little bit more about Nate, his background, everything like that, his involvement here with Steve and the King's Council. But I got to know, man, what is no limits, Nate? What does that actually mean? Well, to me, it's about recognizing that myself and many of us have limitations that have been placed on us, either self-imposed limitations or, or things that our, our parents, maybe your father or my father imposed on me or what I saw in the world. And I saw so many limitations that defined me. And held me back. And as I started growing in my journey of life and pushing forward and wanting to be the best that I could be, I started figuring out 
man, there are limitations we can break, break through. So I was like, there's going to be no limit that will define me or hold me back from stepping into what I feel called to do or accomplishing the purpose that my life's supposed to have. And so I say, there's no, I am no limits, Nate, because there's no limit that can define me. And it's that reminder for myself, even though I feel cheesy at times saying it, (laughs) you know what? Stand behind it. Yeah, no dude. limit's going to define me. And and as we get into my story, we'll see some limitations that by breaking through, my life has become something exciting or incredible. Right. Absolutely, man. Yeah, you certainly have uh, overcome a lot of adversity and, and challenges. Again, we're going to get into that. But you live in Houston now, but that's not where you grew up, man. You're the oldest of five. That's right. Right. How old are you now? I'm 35 now. 35. Bro, yeah. me too. Yeah, we're right there, me man. Too. Right on. Um, now, I haven't uh, competed in Ninja Warrior like seven times, but- We're in different uh, arenas. Different arenas. You're a champion yes. in many other arenas. Yeah. Of all the power pillars that make up King's Council, dude, that's the body of Christ right here, man. That's right. We make it up. But anyway, you grew up in Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was born in Tennessee, okay. moved to Louisiana when I was younger. My dad was a pastor, and so we grew up. I feel like my dad was this, I would say Jesus figure in the way of, he was a pastor and a carpenter uh, sure. and a painter. But we, <laughs> we moved to Louisiana at a young age, grew up in a trailer home and five kids. So I was the oldest of that, had two sisters below me and two younger brothers below them. And after graduating from high school, went to college at Louisiana Tech University and became a mechanical engineer. And after that graduation, moved to Texas. So I wasn't born in Texas, but I got there as soon as I can. Got like, there. It's a good place. <laughs> and that was really for your job, right? That's you went to school for yeah. engineering. Yeah. Right on. Got so, a, a good gig with, was it Exxon? Yeah. So I got in with Exxon Mobil, which at the time was like the fortune number one or number two company in the world. So I was like, that sounds like that's the one to go for. Yeah. So I kind of set my sights on that from an early start in engineering and pursued it and got on. I'm curious, man, because I grew up in small town, South Dakota as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not small town, not South Dakota, not Louisiana like you, bro. But was that something that growing up like your mindset, I mean, now you're a professional athlete, you've overcome a lot of adversity, obstacles in your life. But was there always like that that desire? Were you an athlete in, in high school, number one? I imagine you were, but was there always that like desire or that thrill of the hunt type of approach to whether it's athletics or schooling or you know, business. Give me a little background on that, man. Yeah, good question. I don't think I was always an athlete. I remember being in peewee baseball or something like that, like after t-ball, but probably in the fifth grade, sixth grade region. And I'm the guy in the outfield, like sitting there picking flowers in the field, just not really engaged, didn't really have confidence or ability there. But later on, I ended up getting homeschooled from sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. And so I was pulled out of the system and didn't have a chance to really compete or play around. I played backyard football with my brothers, but didn't know if I had athletic ability. Go back to high school in 10th grade and I'm 115 pounds. I hadn't hit any kind of growth spurt. I don't even know if I'd started puberty at that point. Like I was a late (laughs) bloomer and I wanted to play sports. Like I loved watching football. I was like, I want to play football. And my mom was like, you're going to get broken in half. Sure. You're right. The good protective mom. So I didn't even enter any kind of sports in high school other than I found out that, hey, no one plays tennis in South Louisiana because they considered the sport for the girls, <laughs> right? But I saw that there were some cute girls on the team. And yeah. I was like, well, maybe I can go for that sport. So I got into it and it wasn't good at first, but second and third year, that's what I got into, even though it wasn't really my passion, but it taught me a few things. So I developed some athleticism, graduated high school at 130 pounds. So I'm still a twig, right. at six foot tall now. And But I realized adversity helped activate me. Mm. So I was looking at the time when I, I go back to high school and I'm after spending these years in public school and we were, we were pretty poor. So like we had these hand-me-down books and my mom 
was trying to teach me some of these things. And my mom's the one who's a little bit more endearing and compassionate. And I was a strong-willed kid, so I could convince her why it was not important to do the book work that day, right. which became most days. But I didn't <laughs> learn a lot. And I go back to high school in 10th grade. They don't give me any credit because I couldn't pass any of the credit tests. Mm. So I basically get placed in ninth grade. And I'd been held back in third grade. So now I'm a 16-year-old in ninth grade looking like I'm 12. And like, how am I going to get through these next couple of years of school. But because I was behind, it gave me a driver of like, I've got to really set my mind to this and work my way through school. And I'd already, I was working two jobs to pay for a way to get a vehicle. And I really wanted to have a vehicle so that my mom wasn't dropping me off in this busted up old minivan. That was super embarrassing. (laughs) But I saw both with the sports analogy and with this school adversity that was, I was facing. It's like, I really got to set my mind to this and work. I can't coast. And I think myself and others, like we can be semi-talented or have some capacity or intelligence and we can kind of get by with our bare minimum, but we never really get activated from that. And I I saw early on, now I can look in hindsight and see, man, I had to give it everything I've got to work my way through high school and to start beginning to grow as an athlete. And I ended up graduating in like number seven in my class out of 250 people or 200 people coming. And so I did high school in three years and I did, I was, I'm telling you, I'm not that smart. You know, I've learned to work hard. And I realized, oh, there's a formula here. If you really set your mind to it and go after it, something can come from this. And so I get into college. I'm like, I got it. How do I get some weight on me? I'm too skinny. You know, I didn't have much confidence, but started lifting heavy and eating a lot. And boom, I put on 60 pounds in, in about seven months. No doubt. Wow. Just I blew up. And I didn't take the shortcut of taking steroids like a lot of the guys right. I saw in high school that were playing football. But that really activated me is like, I got some size now. It gave me a little bit of confidence and I'm pursuing engineering. And that was kind of the beginning of my sports journey. I wanted to play football. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm big, I'm athletic. I'm playing with playing flag football with some friends. Then I, then I meet some players on the team at Louisiana Tech University, you know, which is where Terry Bradshaw played and oh, yeah. Carl Malone and had a few legends that had come through there. I'm like, I could, I could play ball here. I'm starting to believe that. And a year later, I'm actually trying out for the team. And thinking, I got a shot to get on as a wide receiver. And I'd been practicing with a couple of the quarterbacks. I'm going through the process of that walk-on in the spring of 2007, walking onto the team. And then one of the adversity stories that maybe we can tie into yeah. is I'm walking across campus to go to the practice. And I've got a few friends behind me. And I'm walking a path near my dorm that I'd been on for months. As I'm walking across the ground, it suddenly just sinks in on me. The ground caves in like a pie crust that I just stepped through. And up gushes boiling water and steam and it's kind of hissing and I, I slide in about thigh deep and as I'm falling in my hands instinctively reach behind me and I catch what's a firm ledge at that point thankfully and I reverse dip push myself up and out of this and I look down and my skin's just starting to peel off and it feels like a thousand hornets are stinging me and I got wide eyes like what is going on and then I see this gurgling boiling water bubbling up out of the ground and steam hissing and I'm, I look at it in stunned silence for a second and then just feel the pain of this burn. So I turn off and run back to my dorm in full sprint, kicking my shoes off, get into the dorm shower. And as I'm doing that, I'm like rinsing off cold water on me and my skin's just peeling off of my legs. And that, that was the beginning of a one month journey in the ICU to recover from a severe burn, second and third degree. And if I didn't catch myself on this little ledge, I would have went in eight feet deep. That's how deep the hole was that they later excavated. Wow. And I would have been burned head to toe and, and died. And in that hospital, I saw other people who had more severe burns, some that passed away, others that were just horribly disfigured for the rest of their life. 
It was kind of a shock and awakening. And that ended my football dream. Sure, man. But I, after coming out and recovering from that, I kind of doubled down on engineering and, and had to persevere through again, thinking the same way I did in high school. I was like, I'm not the smartest guy in this classroom, but this is my path towards success and the best I could envision it. So I was like, I'm going to stick through and and do that. So I did finish up in the engineering path and got a good job. And it was like barely making it in different areas, but that brought me to Houston right? and started a quote unquote new life. So oh, long, long answer there to. Yeah, man, I, I got a number of questions that pop in my head. So I didn't realize that that's, I, I've heard about like the, you know, a burn story, but I didn't realize what had actually happened, man. So as you're sitting in, we talk a lot about mindset within the King's Council here and, you know, how important that is in order for us to not only develop, but even to just maintain or continually progress toward the vision that we have for our life. So as you're laying in that bed, that hospital bed, man, what's going through your mind? Like you're, you, you had mentioned you're seeing other people and what I gathered or what I took away from what you said is like, you weren't that bad compared to other people. That's good. Was that part of the mindset, the process that you had going on? That's good. So that was the first time in my life I really got a perspective mm. opportunity. And so I had a perspective change. And I realized growing up, I always viewed my life as, man, I'm the poorest person here. I have the least opportunity. I'm the smallest person here. I'm the one that's being bullied or picked on. And I would always see my circumstance through a negative mindset. And it took away my confidence or my gratitude. And in that moment, as I'm, I was in a frustrated, like pouty state, I'm like, man, I'm in so much pain. I didn't know you could be in this much pain. And doctors will tell you that second degree burns are one of the most painful things you can experience sure. as a human because it, it doesn't burn off your nerve endings, but it, it, it fringes them a little bit. So you're just in terrible pain. They're hitting me with morphine and I still couldn't sleep. I didn't mm. sleep for weeks. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to complain like, why God? And what did I do? And asking all these frustrating questions. And then as I'm being wheeled in a wheelchair down the hallway to go where they scrub off the bandages and the dead skin and rewrap you in these treatment bandages, I'm seeing people in these rooms. I remember just seeing this guy kind of turn and look at me and his face was just burned and disfigured. And another guy, I saw something similar where his body was covered in burns and two days later he was dead. Mm. And man, it was like a slap in my face of who am I to be over here complaining and crying and being frustrated at why would this happen to me when I see someone who's just lost their life and someone else who's going to have their life horribly disfigured and changed. And it, it really slapped me in the face and gave me a new perspective. And then you know, a couple of years later, I, I went on a mission trip after graduating college. A doctor friend of mine, mentor of mine in college, took me to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip, like medical missions. And I'm beginning to see what the world really looks like. And I saw that, man, even those who don't have a lot in the U.S., have incredible wealth and opportunity. And again, it was that perspective of like, wow, if I can view this from, there's a, a lens of, here's a mantra I have in, of my life. There's always a better person in a worse situation than me. So I need to be appreciative of what I have, no matter how little it seems like it is. And then use that to continue to take a step forward and, and have grit and persevere. So that was the first big like slap in my face of what I felt like God saying, hey, you still have so much. Learn from this, grow, don't let this define you. Yeah, be appreciative. And so it, it gave me that grit mentality, that gratitude mentality, and it, it gave me the power to change my perspective. Mm -hmm. And so as I looked, as I found out, I get many more adversity challenges in the future, but I had that perspective opportunity. Yeah, and I've, I've used that and I've leveraged it. Yeah, it's a good question. 
yeah, that came through when you'd mentioned that. That's why I, I wrote that down and wanted to bring that up because I think so many people, they go through life either choosing to be the victim mm-hmm. or choosing to be the, the victor and, and not allowing uh, what comes at us, you know, cause so often we, we go through life and we're reactive to just yes what comes or, you know, we talk a lot about this as well as being that thermometer mm-hmm. or being the thermostat, right? And then the thermometer for those that know, I mean, thermometer is simply a reflection of what's going on in our environment, right? It's just, if it's 68 degrees, it's at 68 degrees. That's what the thermometer gauge is versus being that thermostat, setting the temperature of every room that you walk into. And brother, you are a thermostat. I mean, not only through just overcoming the adversity, and we're going to hear some more um, as we progress through your story, bro, but also just, you know, who you are as a, a human being, like you walk into a room, it's like, there's a presence there. It's like, we know, Thank we you, know bro. what's up. No limits. Nate Thank is, you. is in the Thank house. You. I received that. So, yeah, it man. hasn't always been that way. Sure. And I, that's something I've stepped into. So let's talk about that then. Because for me, it was the same way. Like it, it wasn't always that way. And, and I still deal with self-limiting beliefs of like, am I really good enough? Or mm-hmm. is my, you know, as Steve talks about his Wikipedia page, like this is what, you know, what, the perspective of the outside person looking in like, oh, he's got it all going on. But internally, there's always like this, this self-doubt, right? Or this just like, am I good enough? These self-limiting beliefs that we know are, you know, it starts with our mindset and what we want to choose to believe. Because I mean, our lives are, our perspective is our reality. Mm Mm-hmm right? My perspective may not be your reality, but it's my reality. And so it's so important to be intentional in making the decision of how you're going to choose to look at things. Mm -hmm. You know, when that bad news happens, when the severe burns on your leg to now we're in engineering school, life's pretty good, right? You got a good job, pretty posh job. sounded like. Yeah. Got to that point. Got to that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you've pushed through, you've progressed, you're flying traveling all over the world it sounded like mm-hmm. right man you're making some bank being smart with your money that's right what's going on in your life now so let's flash let's flash forward through college your new corporate job that's good well let me tie up a point you said don't be a victim or don't have a mm-hmm. victim mentality and i had the opportunity after that burn to not only become a victim but then play the victim and try to milk that. Right. And so I had some lawyers come to me, dude, you can make a ton of money off of this. You just got a freak accident. The state of Louisiana is liable for this. Da, 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 da. And I was at a crossroads of going into my, my sophomore year. I had finals in about three weeks and I had my first internship lined up. And with most jobs that you want to get into as a full-time employee, you have to have some proven track record as an intern. And so for engineering pathways, it's crucial that your sophomore year, you wrap that up with a, a solid internship. And I had gotten that lined up and it was like, yes, I've got this opportunity. And now I'm in the hospital, I'm in a wheelchair and I'm not going to be able to go back and finish my finals, much less take on this internship, which was like seven hours North in Arkansas. And some of the lawyers that talked to me said, do not go accept that internship. Because if you do, you're not going to have this big of a case to sue the state to say, look what you've taken away from me, my opportunity as a future engineer, my income potential. And they were talking like, there's chances for millions here. And as a small town kid with no money, but also not a lot of understanding about ways to grow and achieve, I'm like, wow, that's, my dad made 30,000 a year and we fed 
five kids and lived in a trailer. Right. That's a lot of money. That could be the breakthrough. And I had that thought of like, oh, if I play this card, then it may be easy from now on. And I remember, I don't know what and why. I feel like maybe the spirit of God in me or just the understanding of don't be a victim or don't try to milk things, like pay your dues. I was like, no, that's not the route I'm taking. I'm getting out of here. You guys let me out of this hospital. I'm going back to school. I'm finishing my finals and I'm getting that internship. Mm. I ended up doing that and driving up. I had one foot was burned worse than the other. So it was my right foot was worse. So at that point I could like use my left foot to kind of push like the pad of my heel and toe weren't that bad. So I'm driving with my left foot wheelchair in the back, drive up to that place in Arkansas wow. near Little Rock, Arkansas and, and start that internship. So that, that decision point carried me on to getting a job at a fortune number one or two company later on moving to Houston a couple years in. So tying up to what you asked yeah, bro. a couple years in, like I'm, I'm doing really well in ways that I didn't think I could, I didn't believe that I could ever be successful in certain metrics. You know, I was shoveling cow poop on a farm for $4 an hour years before in South Louisiana and yeah. picking out weeds in a rice field. But suddenly I'm at this place and like, can I perform here and just begin to give it everything I've got and really hard work and humility asking as an engineer, they expect you to know what you're doing, but I'm asking operators who are older guys working out in the field. Hey, teach me. How do you see things? I, I've been trained in theory, but you guys have seen it in experience. And I saw other engineers come in with a lot of kind of pride and intelligence. I, I know what I'm doing here and we should do this. And they're barking out orders to everyone as a young person. And I'm like, just teach me how this works. And with that humility posture, man, some of these older guys really poured into me and taught me. And suddenly I became successful because my projects were succeeding and others weren't because I had a lot of that operational experience and wisdom that was being passed on to me. So two years into that, I'm crushing it in the business world and I'm getting raises and I'm getting promotions. And I'm like, this is cool. And now I'm being flown around the US and then eventually flown around the world first class, making a great salary, living as an expat in Africa or in Norway, which is cool and exciting. But back to that two years into the career, I'm going, is there not more to life than this? You know, I, I was kind of in a relationship where I'm like this, I thought she was what I wanted, but now I'm seeing like the mentality that she has and the ways that I'm living. Like, I just feel like I'm playing it safe or there's gotta be more to life. Like, God, if you're out there, what is my life supposed to be? Cause there's still something stirring inside of me where I feel like I'm just kind of broken and I'm chasing the next success thing. And when I get it, it doesn't bring purpose or fulfillment. And then I start asking these questions and I'm looking at guys that are near retirement and they're still doing the same thing. They're still kind of not only playing it either safe in a certain area, but they're living for that next achievement and they accomplish it and they get that certain money or that business piece or, or they're pursuing someone and they accomplish it. And then they're like, okay, that wasn't it. So I'm starting asking these introspective questions. I'm like, there's gotta be something more like, God, what is my life for? And that was an inflection point, a decision point and, and a pivot in my life. As I kind of asked that question, it felt like God responded to me and said, yes, there's more. And it's, it's not what you're doing here. So there's a, there's a few things that yeah, go into that, yeah, right? But man, let me, come on, let me man. interject there, bro, because what I'm hearing you say is society today and how it it's incentivizes people to stay down, mm. right? If we mm -hmm. look at like the welfare system mm -hmm. or if you make a certain amount of money, you don't qualify for yeah. these benefits. So it's putting a lid and, you know, not only just on like the physical, tangible things that we can get or um, acquire, but Ultimately, it starts with, goes back to our mindsets. If we think, oh, this is just how it is, or if I just allow the system, right? If I'm just a pawn within the system versus being in control of our own lives, which is what you did, brother. You said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And one of the things that I had written down here was 
the true wisdom is really looking at the fruit in other people's life. So even the attorneys that, that you said like, hey, don't go do that because you could get this big settlement. Or if you look at, you flash forward into your career now and you're seeing the people that are retiring, hey, do this job, play it safe, right? Play it safe because if you do that long enough, this is what you can do, you can retire. And you're like, bro, I don't want, to, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Like, and that was a, a big thing for, for me in every area in my life that I found myself leveling up or choosing to level up, it was always looking for the fruit in other people's lives and saying, yeah. do I want that? It's good. Is that what I want? And I've made it my philosophy now to only take advice, like true counsel, wisdom mm -hmm. from people that either have what I want mm -hmm. or are aspiring to mm -hmm. get what I want. All they have to be is at least one step ahead of me. That's good. And that I look your concept of like you'd mentioned like reaching up and reaching down. Like that like I'm gonna I'm going somewhere in the direction of somebody that has what I want, but I'm gonna bring others with me. Yeah. Right. And that's really what we're doing with King's Council. That's not what this is about, brother. But so but much it, wisdom. But it is what it's about, you know. <laughs> so much wisdom in what you just said, dude. And so now you're in this corporate career. It's like this isn't what I want. And I've had these experiences too. It's like, is this all is this what life's about? Mm -hmm. Is this the uh, just this feeling of unfulfillment? That's right. Right. Take us through. So I, I started asking those questions because some of the retirement guys I saw, they're like, dude, I'm sitting on three, five million in the bank because I, I stayed on this process, stick to it, you know, and I'm going, did you do what you really wanted to do in life? And they'd say, no, but now I'm about to retire and I can do whatever I want and I've got the money for it. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. I can... I just don't think about it. Just keep grinding. Sure. Just keep going. Yep. But I was something was stirring in me like, dude, you've got time now. Make the most of your time. Do the things that make your heart come alive, which I didn't feel like I had permission to do. It was like, no, I just got to, mm -hmm. I got to earn. I got to make this money. I got to be safe. I'm like what, what makes my heart come alive? And I, I remember this one guy who said, dude, just grind it out to retirement. It's going to be worth it. And I looked up to him and respected him. I'm thinking, okay, we go and finish a project. I'm flying in a helicopter out into the Gulf of Mexico. We land on this production platform. I worked in the oil and gas business. So I'm out here. Dude, it's like being on a movie in the way of Jurassic Park, right. just flying on this crazy thing, landing on this big structure that's the size of the Empire State Building way out in the Gulf of Mexico. It's kind of a cool adventure. We finish this project up. We go back to Houston. He retires. I'm back in the office in a project. Like a month later, I hear, hey, everyone within your division, we're sorry to inform you that this guy has passed away. He died of an unexpected disease, unknown disease. He was healthy. His life was over. Boom. Just like that. This is the dude who This is retired. the same guy who was telling me, he just retired. Mm -hmm. we, we finished that project and he retired. He was the one telling me, play it to the end. Like when you get to retirement, now you got your time, you got your money, blah, blah, blah. And that shocked me so deeply because I had agreed, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then I realized if I don't start taking steps towards what I feel more purposed and passionate in, if I'm just staying here because it's safe or it's got money or it's prestige, I'm going to miss the purpose of my life and I'm going to miss passion and fulfillment. So immediately I was like, there's got to be more. And that's when I had this kind of breaking moment. I was in a rough spot in my relationship with this girl that I was like, do I marry her? Or do I, do I walk away? And, and she had a very play it safe mentality. I'm like, I, no, I can't do this. I've got to make some changes. And so that's when I had this come to Jesus moment. Like, all right, God, I was raised in a religious environment. I've heard some things and you exist and this and that, but I, I never really saw someone living out their faith in a way that I wanted to follow. Just like you talk about, I look at people with examples of that's how I want to live my life. And yeah. I like how they're doing it. And I got a few of those examples around me. I had some good friends at the time and they're asking the same questions. So I made a pivot in life. Like I'm not playing it safe. 
And I'm going to start taking risk and start seeing if there's more to life than just, you know, finding success in this area. So I kind of had that come to Jesus moment. And I was like, God, if you're real, show me and I'll make a change in life. I'll throw away everything. And I was serious. And I, I thought, if you have any kind of religious background, you feel like serving God means doing something miserable. For me, it meant moving to Africa, living in a mud hut and like knocking on doors and saying, can I tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and <laughs> chase him around? I'm right. like, that sounds like torture to me. Like, I don't right. want to do that. But I, I kind of made this intentional confession of like, I'll do whatever. God, I believe there's more to my life. And if someone's out there, if there's a higher power, show me the way, I'll do it. And and I thought it was going to mean quitting, throwing it all away and going to Africa. Instead, I got a promotion. A friend sent me a text message and said, hey, there's this TV show called American Ninja Warrior. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but you should check it out. You should do it. And like, I never wanted to be on TV before. I did not want to be in the spotlight. I did not want to talk in front of people. I was an engineer for a reason because I could hide behind a desk. But it, it something sparked in my spirit. And at the same time, I got an invite from a friend to go be on a mission trip and drill a water well in Latin America. I was like, yeah, I've got some skill sets to do that. Let me go help other people. And I also got invited to do a few things like that that got me out of my comfort zone. I jump into all these things. Long story short, I start feeling activated and purposeful as I'm attempting to get on American Ninja Warrior and failing and applying and failing, but learning that I don't want to miss opportunities in life like I'd missed for football in college or like I'd missed in other areas. So I start going for it. And that's where I felt like I became more alive. I'm like, oh, there is, there is more. And that was kind of the activation process of realizing I'm going to live my life with passion and purpose right now. I'm not going to delay what I feel like my, my purpose is because I was procrastinating my purpose. Mm. I didn't realize that. And so I got this no limits Nate thing because I like to use Nate-isms. So if I find a word that's got Nate in it, I look at it. So procrastinate, I'm like, that's what I was doing. But uh, now I've become passionate there you go. about what my purpose is or you know, trying to dominate over the obstacles or eliminate excuses. And I was like, man, I've got so many excuses in life. So applying these little nativisms and again, super cheesy. I'm like, you know what? Bro, I'm it. a cheesy dude. I got dad <laughs> jokes for days and I'm not even a dad. <laughs> so whatever, I'm going to uh, go with it. But that was kind of this activation piece. And that's what led me down this journey of attempting and eventually getting onto American Ninja Warrior and then having a breakthrough and still having a lot of adversity and injuries that took me out. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm out this season. I got to keep going and keep trying. And I don't know if you got thoughts yeah, or questions yeah, that are coming bro, into this. Dude, but so many, so many. I'm, I, I'm actually just thinking of other words that I can put Nate in. <laughs> I know everybody else that's listening is too. So <laughs> there's some, there's some funny ones. If you got a good one that you're thinking like, of, I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm fanatical right now. <laughs> I had a, co- a friend gave me a coffee mug that says caffeinate. And I was like, oh, yes, that's good every one. morning. That's good but if one. you got a good one to make fun of me with, send it to me. Mm-hmm. I would love to like, Blast that's, myself on that. That's going to be my mission <laughs> now. So <laughs> everyone out there that's getting vaccinated, <laughs> not a political statement. Just if you are, uh, don't hate, don't Nate. Oh man. So good. So I want to make sure that people understood because what I, what I just heard there was that you applied, you didn't get in right mm-hmm. for, for that's the correct. ninja warrior. You applied. Yeah. It's an audition process. So there's three okay. parts to that process. I guess. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into ninja warrior just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So it's a, a very popular athletic TV show on NBC. It's not go try out the Nate the broadcasting channel. Ooh, I, that into dude, existence. See, it's, it's, Come it's on. It's going to be in the back of my head. Come now. on. <laughs> <laughs> but you had to apply to this thing, create an audition video, show your physical ability, tell a story. Cause they're, they're pitching it in a way that when they put you on there, they want to draw the audience in with a story 
and then people were rooting for you because you're overcoming something or you're interesting. So you have to be a, a strong athlete as a baseline, but then you have to have an interesting personality and and bring energy to the show. You have to have a story. So I I had the athleticism built up after years of trying and training because when I saw this video from a friend that's like, dude, check out Ninja Warrior. Like, okay, what do I have to do to get on this thing? I started training at a gym in Houston. I found one, built up my skill set there, and then applied. But I realized you got to have the personality, which I hadn't activated yet. I was still pretty reserved. And then you have to have the story, which I had stories. I just didn't know how to tell it. And I was too shy to even quote unquote brag on myself. So two years of applying and getting rejected was like a huge pain point. I'm like, why is this not working out? And a friend said, dude, you're not being real. You're not being you. You're not being the things that you, you're nimbly passionate in parts of your life. But right now you're kind of, hi, I'm Nate. I, duh, duh, duh. you sound sure. like a robot as you're doing this audition process. They ended up calling my brother, Joel, who was a military vet that came back from Afghanistan. And I'm telling him, Hey, I want to get on this TV show. We should do it. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll apply. Dude, he applies I can see as Joel well. actually saying that. <laughs> he's like, okay. eh, whatever. <laughs> he applies. They call me. This is my second season of applying. They call me and said, Hey, we saw your application and you talked about your brother, Joel. Is he in the application portal? And I was like, oh, let me make sure he got his stuff in. He sends it in. And they're like, cool, thanks. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 am I getting picked? And they're like, no. They hang up. They call him. Amazing. So I'm like, that's sort of a good. <laughs> but I also learned, you know, be a cheerleader of others, be a supporter yeah. of others, especially when they have the thing you're looking for instead of being good, resentful man. or frustrated. Like, why didn't I get that? I deserve that. I did the work. Like, okay, cool, man. I'm going to support you. And I went out to LA and he competed on a, a battleship out in the harbor in LA and, and did well there. And then the next year I was working in Africa on an expat assignment. And that's when I got the pick and the call on my third season of applying because I shared way more of my personality. I shared a story. I talked about, hey, here's some of the things I've been doing on my global travel travels. Here's how I've been making the most of my life. And they're like, this stuff's awesome. Like, this is interesting. We'd love to have you on. And so I'm in this little work environment with a bunch of local African guys mostly who spoke English. And I get this call, Hey Nate, you've been accepted to the new season of American Ninja Warrior. And I remember like busting out of my office and running down the hall. Yeah, I made it, right. <laughs> and this is a very formal work environment and everyone's popping their head out. Like, is everything okay? Is there a fire drill? And I'm like, I made it. I'm dancing around. So that, that kind of began the journey and eventually got featured on TV and that brought new opportunities. And I began getting invites to go speak and, and share some of my story, which I didn't want to do, but I said, sure. you know what? It takes being uncomfortable and growing. And then I started seeing, what, I've got an ability to, to communicate. I've got some of these skill sets that I'm not using. And that's where I felt God reminded me, I've placed things inside of you that until you step into them and start activating them, you're never going to feel like your life is making the impact or the difference that you you have that desire to have mm -hmm. or that, that's already rooted in you. And so I began taking those risks, those leaps of faith, and it grew and, it, and the journey got harder, but then the reward of the fulfillment would come through on the back end, you know, so it's like always this delayed gratification process. Yeah. It never happened instantly. Anytime I would try to cheat my way there, like especially earlier in my life, grab it before I'd earned it, it would always fall through like sand in my hands. Sure. Yeah. And the resiliency, I'm trying to tie Nate into that word, but can't, still haven't figured that one out yet. But uh, Google search the, words the, with the Nate resiliency. Because I think so many, there's a great book out there called, you know, Three Feet from Gold, where people mm. stop three feet from gold as they're digging that hole and it gets hard and it gets tough. And as you're doing it, it's good, you know, day in and day out, the, the monotony maybe sometimes that people go through and then they quit right before mm. that big breakthrough is, is going to happen. That being said, you know, I'm a firm believer that there's never really failure. There's only feedback. Mm. And 
I know everybody else has their definition of success. And I'm curious, man, not to put you on the spot, but have you have you thought about that? Like, what does success actually mean to you? Is it the thrill of the hunt? Because that dopamine release that we get, you know, or is it like I've achieved X, Y, Z, now I'm successful? Or is it, you know, that the cheesy saying that success is a journey, not a destination, right? What is that? Ralph Waldo Emerson, I believe, mm. had originally said that. And I get that, but what, how would Nate, define success? It's a great question. It used to start off somewhere in that hunt, that adventure, that journey, and then accomplishing something. And then it became more of a, a can I achieve some form of status? Mm-hmm. I think I, I can look back and say I was an achiever in my mentality or how I wanted to get approval or prove myself. And as I shifted my mindset to others. So when I had this come to Jesus moment, I, I talked about, yeah. I felt like God gave me a reminder that life isn't about what you achieve or do. It's how you impact others. And so for me, it's more around prioritization. And if I can prioritize, I say three things like God first, other second, me third. Mm-hmm. And when I can live by that, I see not only blessings flow into my life, but purpose and contentment. So I also say things in my life like always satisfied, but never complacent. Yeah. Like you said, it's a process in life. And if you look in that achiever mentality, it's like, okay, when I get this next thing, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to feel satisfied. And then when you get it, inevitably, you're like, okay, well, now I got to have the next thing. So I, I fall in love with the process of, yes, you're always going to be pursuing the next thing. And that's just the mentality of growth. But learning to be satisfied in every situation, appreciative for what you have, back to the perspective mentality. Yeah. And when I have that, then I can enjoy where I'm at. And so now I always feel like I'm in a great place in life. I love that. I'm still hungry for more because I'm not complacent. I'm going to keep growing. But I can appreciate the mountains and the valleys. And I've been in some low valleys, physically, mentally. I've been in the poor, one of the poorest countries in the world and seeing some rough places. I, in 2020, I was in a, a really cool situation on a new TV show that, that came out of perseverance and grit and, and not quitting three feet from the gold. Yeah. But it was also a very lonely, isolating place. No cell phone, no internet, no connection for over seven months. And, and being alone and eating rice and beans every day but also remembering, man, this is still beautiful. I can appreciate certain things I've got right now. And so that perspective gives me a, a new version of success. And, and I've, I think now my life is being able to impact and inspire others because I was so inspired at times when I saw someone doing something that I thought was hard, scary, and yet incredible and seeing them come alive. And that gave me permission to come alive. And, you know, we all know Steve is such a big personality and he's a guy that's given me permission, not he didn't even know it, but he gave me permission to be more of who I am and be excited about that. That's, and that's awesome, dude. Let, the, I mean, that literally is the word that I wrote down here about 20 minutes ago was permission. Mm. Like you needed an environment to, to have permission to not be safe, not to play it safe, yes. but to feel like you can take the risks because they don't you, define you. They don't the define failure doesn't yeah, define man, you. That's good. That's good, yeah. dude. So finding out who you are outside of your achievements or your failures, you know, don't die by their, don't live for the praise, but don't die by the criticism. Mm. So when I found out who I was and surrounded myself with people that knew who they were and were willing to speak into me and encourage me and build up my life selflessly, you know, and that's what the King's council has been for me. And I found the King's council after the biggest win in my life. Sure. So the six year journey of me competing on American Ninja Warrior, auditioning and getting rejected, auditioning, getting rejected, getting on, failing, getting on, 
making it to the national finals, breaking my ankle the night before, still competing on it the next day, thinking, I don't know if I'll ever get another chance. I've got to make the most of this. Well, that part didn't go well as a failed, sure. but then you're five, you're, you're four and you're five getting back on and missing the national finals by one spot. You're like, ah, when is it going to break through? Sixth year is when it hit. I make it back to the national finals, crush the first round, become one of the elite competitors from that, go to get a, a few hours sleep before we compete on the next round, wake up puking my guts up diarrhea because I'd just come back from Africa, West Africa, work assignment, South Africa mission trip. And I thought I had malaria, had all the symptoms. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I am seven hours away from potentially winning this show and getting a million dollars. At that point, I'd quit my job with ExxonMobil and I'd walked away from the career. And so we didn't talk about this the much, safe, but, the but safe I had, career, I had right? taken the, the leap. Mm. It's like, there's got to be more to life. Life is about risk as well. Now I'm an engineer, so it's calculated risk. Like we all fly on airplanes. There's a risk there, but yep. it's calculated and it's a low risk. So we make that choice. Same thing with driving in an automobile. So I made this choice. I leave the job. I'm going for broke on, on Ninja. I'd made some, a lot of financial plans as well to, to take this leap of faith, to step out into new arenas. Well, I get this massive sickness, can't even move. Long story short, I'm like, I'm not quitting here. And the executives of the show are like, you can't even compete. And I'm like, I'll sign a release. Let me go. They dose me up with a few IV bags. I get to where I can do one pull up. And I, I attack stage two and end up beating this thing by a miracle with one second left. And it becomes one of the most epic runs on Ninja Warrior. And so they feature that. Well, then immediately after, we have to go to the next round. So it's rounds three and four. And the fourth one is the 100-foot rope climb that you have to, or 80-foot at the time that you have to climb in under 30 seconds. If you do that, you win the million dollars. So I'm this close, but I'm also so exhausted from the sickness that I can't even do the first obstacle. It's over. And so there's this frustration of like, wow, the six-year journey of doing this, it reaped a great reward as, as far as me achieving some of the goals I set out for. And it took me six years of doing that. And so it was a reminder of the scripture I live by, Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and are walking according to his purpose for their life. And so I'm like, well, I've kind of done that. I've seen that it was worth it in this journey of not quitting. I was three feet from gold in certain areas, but now I've, this sickness has taken me down and I can't compete and I'm, I'm out. And I was so close to this prize. I'm like, wow, did I miss it? What's going on? I, I just left my job. Three months later, I get invited on this new TV show in Latin America, number one show on Telemundo called Exatelon, and I'm put on the, the team famous, the Famosos team. And now I'm a gringo. I don't speak Spanish, but long story short, I get on there. I spent seven and a half months there. I have three significant injuries. One where I thought we broke my neck and thought I was paralyzed, ended up not being broken, just several herniated discs, and I'm supposed to be eliminated from this competition. And I'm thinking back to these times that I had in Ninja Warrior where I've had an injury and setback. And I was like, you know what? I'm not done here. Push through, come back, end up winning that whole TV show which launches new opportunities. I got prize money from that that was significantly larger than my engineering salary that I'd walked away from. And as I get out, I find out about COVID because we didn't have our cell phones or internet <laughs> or connection to the outside world. And we were basically on Survivor with the experience of being in prison, of how restricted we were, and we're competing every day as athletes. And it's a reality TV show, so they're documenting this. Sure. I come out and find out about COVID. The world's changed. Everything's crashed. And my company because of the market tank had let go of like 25% of its employees and my division was let go, I would have lost my job. So the, the, the lesson I got out of that is oftentimes playing it safe is riskier than just taking the risk or taking the leap of faith. And I saw that where it was like my life became 10x because I was willing to walk away from that safety, follow the promptings in my spirit. And then that led me here. And now I'm aligned with men and women that 
or a hundred X of what I ever thought my life could be. Yeah. It's like, wow, I just, I was willing to take the next step and take the leap and have the right perspective and not quit three feet from gold. Right. That's solid, brother. Here we are. Dude, here we are, man. We've been going, we've been ripping for like 40 minutes, bro. Let's wrap so <laughs> let's, I, I want, I want to continue this. I find it interesting though, too. Like you crush 2020, one of the most epic years of your life that you come out. Like if you look at mainstream media and everything, like, no, no, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be successful right now. Mm-hmm. Like, right. That's but right. Because you were, your mindset wasn't like, oh, I'm a victim. Yes. You were, you, you blocked out. You had the blinders on, yes. right? It's like, this is what we're doing. And then you come out and it's like, oh, I wasn't supposed to succeed or I wasn't supposed to have any, you know, financial gain or anything like that during 2020. That's a whole nother podcast mm-hmm. in itself mm-hmm. probably, but bro, I, and not 60 seconds here. What's next, dude? What's next? 35 years old, man. Ooh. We're just getting started here. What do you envision? What's next for Nate Burkhalter? I'm excited to dream big now. Mm. I've left the safety and security. Now it's like, how big can this go? What can my life become? And so I've aligned myself with this mastermind and this life coaching. And I'm paying for coaching for the first time in my life because I believe in the value of learning from others who can really speak into my life. And I've been activated so much in the past three months from being a part of this tribe. So now it's like, man, I'm going for bigger things as an athlete. I'm becoming a professional speaker, storyteller, because I want to use stories of my life and examples I have to activate others and to call them forward. I'm stepping into that arena. You know, I'm growing my brand now. I'm going to be leading others on exciting trips around the world to experience some of the things that I've, I've done to really awaken my own spirit. So my heart and my passion is to really awaken others to pursue the God-given purpose in their life. And, and it's, it's going to be a public journey now. I've done the private work. You know, my label as an engineer was subsurface engineer, below the surface. I was doing the hidden work, the foundational, the character work. And now it's like, oh, I'm, I'm seen. I'm, I'm on the surface now. But after that foundation is laid, the skyscraper can grow. And I'm like, we're building this baby. Yeah. And it's a team effort. It's a team work. And it's not for me. It's for others. And so as I remind myself of that, like the sky is the limit. Wait, no, no, that's a limit. So we can go through the sky because yeah. there are no limits. There's no limits. To what Nate. our life can become. <laughs> There's no limits. So Nate. I don't know what fully what that's going to look like. I've got a lot of new ideas and passions. I've aligned myself in cool ways and being activated. Yeah, I want to invite anyone listening. If, if that excites you, come follow the journey. Yeah. Because I'm learning to step out, not only in faith, but also being bold for what I'm excited to mm. do. Absolutely, man. So, where, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Everyone can track with me on social media at no limits nate with the underscore at the end and so that's instagram is probably where i'm most active facebook i'm getting into youtube i've been told i need to launch a podcast yeah Um, i might do some series in that realm but i got some cool things coming up in the next few months and i've just competed on the new season of american ninja warrior so i'm still growing and training as an athlete awesome but also growing in the entrepreneurial space yeah man there's no limits here. We'll put your links in the show notes as well for everybody. No limits, Nate, with an underscore at the end there. But bro, thanks for being on, man. This is fun. Appreciate it, Riley. To get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, same. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate your life. You continue to inspire me and call me higher. Right on, brother. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.